Welcome into the Warehouse, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles and Major League Baseball. The Warehouse is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Welcome into the Warehouse. It's uh, another episode. We've gone through the World Series. Congrats to the Dodgers. We're back. I wasn't sure if we were going to do uh, episodes during the offseason, but there's plenty of news, and talking baseball is better than not talking baseball. So joined once again by Bob Harkins and Matt Corey. Uh, Matt, thanks. Uh, as always, Matt, let's start with you. Uh, article over at the Ringer, they wrote about the MLB offseason being dark and full of terrors. Your thought there? Well, did you want to did you want to discuss the the news, or do you want to push that to to a later? Uh, that's fine. We, you could jump in, jump in with the news. Uh, okay, it's fine. There. It's fine. We'll we'll yeah. we'll, st- we'll follow the we'll follow the script here. I, I think that works. Um, so. I mean, obviously, I think this has got to be one of the stranger off seasons, just as we're coming out of one of the stranger seasons that MLB has ever had. Um, certainly one of the, the hardest to predict how things go. Um, I don't know that that was technically English, but uh, but I'm trying here. Um, so, uh, you know, I think MLB is planning on uh, a regular start time for a regular, regular season. And I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, they certainly haven't ironed out what's going on with the minor leagues. Um, and then you've got the, you know, the, the, the bloodbath, uh, that, that seems to be, um, uh, you know, coming from the, uh, you know, the, the teams and the, the options that, that, uh, you know, we would have thought would have been easy pickups for, for teams, um, and you know, we got the Rays declining Charlie Morton's $15 million option, the Cardinals letting go of Colton Wong over just 12 and a half million. Um, uh, the, the Red Sox with uh Martin Perez at six million and change. Um, and then of course, the, the Indians uh not paying Brad Hand $10 million on a one year deal. Um, and all, in addition to that, they weren't even able to trade him on that deal, so they they put him on waivers. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think there is reason to think that, that uh, as far as, you know, player salaries go anyway, um, there's a lot of uncertainty as to what teams are going to, um, are going to do and, or be able to do. I mean, I, I think the other important thing to note is that the Mets were just sold to Steve Cohen for, a bazillion T dollars. I think that's what it is. Um, and, uh, and so clearly all the, uh, MLB owners are hurting for cash and funds. And, uh, so players should take well under market deals this off season because the owners, um, are uh, in, in financial dire straits quite clearly. Uh, Bob, uh, as you look at that, what concerns you most, uh, about, the state of baseball as we go here into the off season. Well, they certainly have, have set the stage for that narrative and I'm not denying that they've had a bad year financially. Um, but I would, you know, I wouldn't take at face value Rob Manfred's claims 
that he said that this article outlined, um, I think it was before game six of the World Series, that Manfred decided to go all gloom and doom on everybody. Um, but he said that the owners collectively have taken on $8 billion in debt and that they had $3 billion in operating losses in the 2020 season, which, you know, again, yeah, they've had a bad year. The thing, the thing I always, that always seems to get left out of these equations is when you talk about owners and having a bad financial stretch is that I don't know who buys a baseball team to be a big money-making proposition year to year. I think it's more like why you buy a house. You buy a house because of the appreciation of the house over time. There's going to be years where you have to replace your windows. You have to make improvements and you come out behind. But ultimately, you're going to resell that house at a huge profit, more than likely, in the future. So, um, but... None of my skepticism over this changes the fact that the players are probably going to be taking a hit. As, as Matt points out, we're seeing evidence of that already with uh, people with perfect, perfectly reasonable contract situations um, finding themselves we'll see, we'll see if the uh, players are in a uh, yeah. conciliatory uh, manner on any matter of topics when their their income has been... Uh, put into question, uh, you know, and the game overall has been financially very secure the last uh, several years. The owners right. have made a, a lot of money. Obviously, everybody took a hit with COVID, but that was did they did they take a loss or did they make less money than they could have, which right. are two different, <laughs> uh, you know, two different things. But all right, better topic or at least a, a, a more. Yeah, friendly topic. Uh, free agents for the winter. Uh, you know, everybody's got their top list. We looked at the, you know, the list I sent you guys was the uh, uh, Fangraphs list. They had their top fifty. Uh, Bob, you know, a couple, a couple names there. Players that interest you. Places you might want to see. Player X go. Yeah, I thought a guy I mentioned last podcast that we had was George Springer. Um, you know, a career eight fifty OPS guy at a premier defensive position. You know, he is 31. He's had some injuries and there'll be inevitable questions. He'll get to answer by whoever signs him about a certain scandal that happened. What seems like two decades ago, um, which was really just last winter. But, um, you know, I, I guess I suspect he, the most likely landing spot for Springer to me seems like the Astros, frankly, um, their whole outfield, except for Tucker, is basically up uh, for free agency. I don't know why they would bring back Josh Reddick. Maybe Michael Brantley they would, but none of those guys play center field as far as I know. So Springer seems like a, that seems like the place for him. Although I wonder as we, you know, Matt just talked about with the Mets not really having a great center field option and now having a, an extremely wealthy owner, maybe the Mets might make a play there, but uh, Matt, same question to you, but one addition there. Like uh, the reason I sent the Fangraphs list as opposed to I saw a similar list at CBS or SI or I believe ESPN. Uh, the Fangraphs had a contract, you know, suggested contracts. They also had crowdsourcing contracts. And one of the things that I noticed, kind of perusing that list, is contracts looked light to me. Um, 
uh, kind of across the board. Uh, did that jump out to you at all, or, or uh, you know, again, what what players, you know, to go back to the question, the original question, what, what players particularly interested you, and what would you, uh, who would you like to see move where? I mean, um, yeah, the contracts look a little light, but I think there's there's also some guys like like they project Marcus Semyon to get a three-year deal or a four-year deal, depending on which of the lists you're looking at. Um, I'd be surprised if he gets that much, um, you know, uh, uh, DJ LeMayhew. Well, LeMayhew may get a three-year deal. He was, he's was he been really, really good. He's also older, um, which is what always makes me think that, uh, you know, he's he's not going to be in line for a long-term deal, but he's, he's not that old. He's 32, I think. Um, the guy that's really uh, interesting to me uh, for a number of reasons uh, is Trevor Bauer, uh, who talks about, uh, you know, go signing one year deals for, for his entire career. Um, and, you know, if, if he's just just a, the, the reason to do that would be to maximize, uh, you know, your total earnings. So if you assume you're going to be a really good player um, instead of trading some uh, money for long-term years, um, you just, you know, max out on, on one year at a time. Um, I mean, he could get $35 million on a one-year deal, something, you know, in, in a pre COVID baseball economy as a pretty reasonable projection for a guy like that. Um, will that happen this offseason? I have no idea, but the, the two teams that, that jump out to me there, um, you know, as, as bidders for his services, um, are, are the Yankees, um, and, and the Dodgers, I mean, both of them have money. Um, you know, the Dodgers probably don't need him, um, considering the, their young, um, you know, the young pitching they have, but he sure wouldn't hurt. He'd be an upgrade for them. Um, and they have the money to do it. They don't have, you know, yeah, that many long-term one, guys doing a one year deal at any amount of money. is Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the Yankees are maybe a, a more desperate kind of fit because when you really look at at who they have on their, uh, you know, in their rotation next offseason or this ne- next year, it's Garrett Cole and then, a, you know, a, a series of potentially good, uh, uh, but still question marks, you know, young guys, guys coming off of, uh, you know, major injuries. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Bauer probably fits there pretty well. It, the only issue for him, if he's going to be, you know, on a series of one-year deals, is how much um, is he going to put into various teams' stadiums? I mean, the Yankees obviously have a, a big home run uh, stadium, which doesn't matter as much for a guy like Garrett Cole, who's on a, I don't know, whatever it is, a ten-year deal or something. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but you know, if you're on a one-year deal. The last thing you need is, you know, a home run inflating ballpark to, you know, give you a, a four run ERA. And then then there's 15 million dollars out the door for you. So um, but uh, there you go. Bauer is, is probably the most interesting guy because of that one year claim. What about Bauer to uh, Boston to get Rodriguez back and then maybe stay on the second half of the year and figure between the three of them and the offense, you could still, you know, you could be a contender again. Yeah, that could happen. I I don't expect the Red Sox to spend like that. I mean, they're they've made some noise uh, around, you know, building their payroll back up, uh, but I think Bloom wants to their their GM Heim Bloom wants to uh, build a little more slowly. Um, in fact, there may be some tension there uh, between what the front office wants and what the GM wants. 
Um, and we'll, we'll be discussing that in a few minutes, I imagine. Um, uh, but, uh, I mean, he, he could fit. I, I just wonder about the rest of that team. I mean, they even adding him, you still have uh, a, a big bullpen problem. You still have a, uh, a pretty limited starting pitching uh, rotation, I think. Um, but weirder things could happen, sure. I was kind of interested at uh, uh, Kevin Goldsman's on the list. The uh, he was offered arbitration. Uh, the projected deals the Fangraphs had Craig Edwards had him in a two-year deal. Uh, crowdsource was giving him three. Uh, you know, but as we said, could be a tight market out there. Will he gamble and look for the longer-term deal, or will he take the uh, arbitration? That's something to watch. Uh, I would we'll get- I would take I mean what would you guys do? I would take that if I were him. What is it? 18 million dollars, 18 point something? Yeah, it might have might have been it was at least 18. I thought I had 19 in my head. 19. But, okay, yeah. I mean yeah, either way, I yeah. is he going to get 40? Cuz if he's not going to get 40, that might be the, you know, 40 on a two-year deal um, yeah. or a three-year deal. I I if I were him, I'd be pretty terrified looking at the, you know, the 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 players being cut loose by teams that, uh, you know, over relatively trivial amounts of money. Um, and I would, I would jump on that. Plus, you know, you could pay me uh, $18 million a year to, uh, to live in San Francisco. I, I'll, I'll take that. Plus if he likes yeah. his new environment and thinks he can build on what he did there, just yeah. raises value for when things get better. It's a good pitcher's financial. park. It's a you good know. pitcher's park too. Yeah. yeah. The whole division being, you know, as good as you could be. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of interesting there. Um, Bob, uh, other article out this week, you know, number of different places, a similar article, top trade candidates for the winner. Um, actually, I guess we'll start you know, back with Matt there. So, you know, you know what were your thoughts? Uh, thoughts there? Who, who uh, stands out for you as potential players on the move? I mean, there's a ton of big names. Um you know, not, not to take them all from Bob. So, uh, um, I, I think it's going to be really hard for, um, for teams to make these kinds of moves, um, because of the short-term thinking that's infected, uh, ownership. Um, you know, I, I, any team would love to have an, uh, you know, a Francisco Lindor or a Chris Bryant. I said, would, should should love to have <laughs> yeah. a Francisco Lindor or a Chris Bryant um, long term at a reasonable salary uh, or short term also at a reasonable salary. They're both got they both have one year left on their arbitration before they hit free agency. So, um, you know, those are obvious names. The one I think that is the most interesting is Nolan Arenado, um, mm-hmm. who is uh on a deal that pays him in the upper twenties, low thirties, a million dollars per year until 2026. He's on a hall of fame path. He's, you know, probably the best third baseman in baseball. Um, And uh, he might be untradeable on that deal. Um, So I'm, I'm curious to see, I mean, I, it certainly seemed like he wanted out uh, after, you know, this past year, um, and there was even talk of trading him mid-season, which would have been crazy. I think the other thing that that throws that into chaos is that he has an opt-out after next season. So I don't know how you value that 
Um, you know, you may be trading long-term assets for a guy you get for one year. Um, and you, you, you know, if the salary structure gets completely upended this off season, then you've got this, you know, this huge pre COVID deal, which I, you know, on one hand, we know teams can swallow easily on the other, it may be outsized for what teams are willing to swallow now. So, um, but he's a guy who definitely could be on the move. Bob, what names did Matt leave you with? <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to go big on Lindor. So I, I was avoiding Lindor. Um, but so I kind of took a, a kind of a maybe unusual approach. I went with former Orioles farmhand, Josh Hader, who uh, was part of the infamous Bud Norris trade back in 2013. Aren't you glad you got Bud Norris there, Baltimore? Um <laughs> I was in 2013, <laughs> 2014, maybe, but uh, yeah. But Hader is an interesting guy, you know, a two-time All-Star. He had a bit of a down year this year for him, but he turns 27 in April, and he's not a free agent until 2024. And his, you know, ability out of the bullpen, he's pretty versatile. And if we if we get towards this, if we continue this trend where we're ultimately going to have – Every day, three pitchers go three innings each. Josh Hader would be perfect for that, right? right. Yeah, outside of his uh, transgressions as a young man on Twitter, there's a lot to like with Mr. Hader. I'd forgotten uh, about that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a good pitcher, and I don't think teams pay a whole lot of attention to that. Uh, that's not to yeah. say that they shouldn't pay attention to that. Right. Um, it's, also but, been, it's also been years, and maybe, maybe there's a sure. bit of change there. But, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, big big talent. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot there. There's one other name if I can throw it out, Chris. Um, since this is a Red Sox podcast, um, Andrew <laughs> Andrew Benintendi, uh, who the Red Sox took uh, seventh overall. Uh, you know, was a thought to be a you know cornerstone, building block kind of guy, um, as as maybe a center fielder. Um, he can't really play center. And uh, this past year, he missed uh, almost all of it with injury. He was there for maybe 10 games, and he was just awful. Um, he's got, I think, a couple years of arbitration left. And, I, you know, he's he's a guy who – good on base, right? What was that? Typically pretty good on base, good, good. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a good on base guy. He's got some power, um, some uh, – you know, he can play, he can play left field. I think he's an above average left fielder when he's healthy, not a great arm, but, uh, but he can get to the ball. Um, he's probably stretched in center, but, um, I, I, I just wonder if the Red Sox are going to stick around for this, uh, you know, for, for this, or if they're going to move on from him and try to bring in somebody else. Uh, he How could much be in control does he have left? I think he's got two years left. I think he's, um, got two more arb years left. But he's he's a good, I think, buy low kind of guy. I don't, I, you know, he could be attractive to a lot of teams. I mean, you know, nice gap power, get on base, and, yeah. and if he can play left field solid enough, you know, maybe can't stick in center, but can play uh, left field with some range. That that's an attractive package, yeah. especially if two years of control. So, uh, but that would kind of fit the mold. I would think of a uh, of Boston kind of moving from him and then looking for maybe a. 
you know, more of a star type of piece. Yeah. Uh, we didn't, we didn't talk about him, but Marcelo Zuna is a, yeah. is a guy that yeah. I think could fit in left in Boston. Um, you know, he's not a good defender, uh, but he's not Manny Ramirez and Manny Ramirez was fine in <laughs> left in Fenway for a number of years. I say fine. That maybe is a strong word. Um, I don't. I don't know if you remember uh, some of Manny's yeah. uh, humorous uh, defensive foibles and left. But in any case, I uh, remember him right. using the using the bathroom inside the monster. Yeah, he would do that. that yeah, uh, he had several moments at uh, Candom Yards. I, I do recall uh, in left, but yeah, he, he, he could hack and mash. Azuna would be somebody. Uh, name I would. I hope stays out of the East would be uh, Springer, uh, and I, I could see uh, Springer being somebody. I believe he was from Connecticut, right? Yeah, it could be somebody that could be a Red Sox target, and I don't want any part of that. That would be <laughs> – yeah, myself. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll get back to those names, something to watch all winter, uh, free agents and trade candidates, and that will certainly be heating up. It's now the award season as we look back on what was the 2020 season. Uh yeah, we'll go through the different awards here. The top three candidates that are available for each position. We'll start with uh, Rookie of the Year, and uh, Matt's going to lead the AL. Bob's going to lead the NL. Uh, Matt, there in the AL, three candidates are Christian Javier with uh, Houston, Kyle Lewis of Seattle, and uh, uh, Luis Robert with uh, Chicago. Unless I've uh, well, again butchered his name, but uh, I-, I believe we've talked about our picks for uh, for the work of the year previously. Just how do you see that shaking out there? I mean, I think it's got to be Kyle Lewis. He's the, you know, the guy who plays an above average, um, you know, important defensive position and he hit better. Well, <laughs> Javier's a pitcher, so he obviously hit better than Javier. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he was, you know, above average hitter, had a, had a good year with the bat. Um, I think he fell off a little bit at the end. Robert definitely did. I was surprised looking at his numbers. I remember people talking him up. Uh, early on and and he he fell off pretty hard towards the end of the year um but uh i, I it's funny to um to look at that list and not see randy Rosarena on there um yeah. after you know just watching him uh, i think the award's gonna be named after him for- i know right <laughs> it's, it's the uh, the winner of the randy Rosarena award is kyle <laughs> lewis uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, Rosarena played only 23 games and somehow managed to finish fifth in AL Rookie War. So there is that. But uh, yeah, I think of those names, it's got to be Kyle Lewis. That's that's the man to go uh, to go with. Yeah. So uh, Mountcastle maintained his eligibility for uh, Rookie of the Year next year, so you can <laughs> to win the Rosarena Award next year. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Bob, uh, the National League, uh, Alec Brom, the Phillies, Jake Cronenworth with San Diego. I believe you had advocated for him previously. And then uh, Devin Williams with Milwaukee. Uh, where does the winner go in the National League? Yeah, I, I, these are the three really good candidates. Uh, Bohm had an 881 OPS in 44 games. Cronenworth, 831 OPS in 10 more games than that and played multiple position multiple positions on you know one of the best teams in baseball um so that played in San Diego instead of Philly right so yeah so I like Cronenworth but I do I do want to point out Devin Williams numbers which in his 27 innings are insane he had 
27 innings, uh, 18 base runners, and 53 strikeouts. He had an ERA plus of 1,375, <laughs> which is just like the video game stuff. Uh, I was, when you were saying that, I was trying to guess in my head like where it was going to be, like 130, <laughs> 200 and something, and then you're like 1,000. I was like, oh, boy. Third, almost 1,400. Like, That's what? Crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that'll play. That, that works out pretty well, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I picked Cronenworth. <laughs> yeah. Let's say Pick Cronenworth. All right. So, uh, Bob, how high would it have to be for you to pick Williams over Cronenworth? 2,000? That's great. I think I think a, a lower ERA plus and maybe more innings okay. would be where I would go with. The 27 yeah. innings versus fi- uh, 54 games. Yeah, uh, that's kind of where I went with. Maybe that. Williams needs to average uh, three Ks per inning next year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or four. Right, three. I was gonna say three and a half, but sure, four. Let's go with four. <laughs> uh, Matt AL Manager of the Year, Kevin Cash with Tampa get to the World Series. Charlie Montano with uh, Toronto, they get to the playoffs. Rick Renteria with uh, the White Sox. Obviously, the White Sox uh, they improved this year as well. Uh, could go to any of the three. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Well, it's 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 weird, right? So Cash led the team to the World Series, as you pointed out, but I don't think we're supposed to pay attention to that. This is a regular season award. So you kind of have to somehow move past one of the most consequential things that he was able to do. Uh, you know, Montoyo led a team that a lot of people thought was a last place team to the playoffs where they got absolutely dusted by uh, Cash's team. Um, so, you know, there's definitely some... Uh, if we're playing the expectations game, you know, which is which is what manager of the year always is, you know, which which team overperformed expectations. Oh, that must be on the manager. So let's give him the credit for it. Then I think Montoyo is probably your guy. But I I want to go with Renteria and I'll tell you why. It's because the White Sox fired him. <laughs> All oh, right. They, I, 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 you know, I, I, I totally <laughs> forgot that when Russo took the job, we, we talked about that briefly. So, yeah. He, was... well, he's a candidate for manager of the year. He took a team that people thought was, I mean, I guess there was some preseason buzz about, about the White Sox. It wasn't like he completely, you know, blew expectations out of the water, but, you know, they had a pretty good year and a pretty young team. And I think that's a, you know, that, that's a thing that managers have to do is, you know, guide young players more than they have to guide veterans. At least that's a, I don't know. I don't know if that's really true, but that's certainly the way it's presented. Um, and yeah, it, it, well, they, they've talked a lot with like a hide here in Baltimore, but the, that whole idea. So you, you've you built your team up to a certain uh, uh, level and it's uh thanks. Now we're going to bring in the guy that can actually uh, win. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. So thanks a lot for that. And now get out. I mean, it, it's like, it's, it's like what the Cubs did, you know, back uh, before they won the world series, when they uh, brought, you know, Joe Madden in to replace, who was that again? Rick Renteria. <laughs> right. That's uh, poor Rick. I think it'd be I, I, not only fair if he was able to have the manager of the year award on his resume is he is out there looking for his next next so job. So I, I don't know if there. this is true, but I, I can think of one other former uh, manager of the year who was uh, let go, uh, and that might be the last one. Can you guys name that one? No. It's in here in my head somewhere, but I can't I can't pull it. Uh, Davy Johnson. 
I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, we'll, to, we'll, we'll go back and check the book, see if there's somebody in between. Yeah, maybe that's only a long time ago at this point, but uh, uh, Davy Johnson, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Oriole fans will argue yeah, between him and uh, Showalter being the Orioles' second best manager of all time. And Davy had quite a run. I, I like Davy a lot, but. Interesting. Um, you, there. you just left somebody out of the uh, best manager of all time for the Orioles. You got Davey Johnson and Buck Showalter. You're missing somebody, Chris. No, I said for I said for second. Oh, uh, oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, didn't for, I didn't forget Earl. We're, okay. we're all good. <laughs> Earl just wasn't in this discussion I mean, I mean, at all. Yeah, there, there, there's a discussion. <laughs> we were going to have to stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Bob National League, Don Madden Lee with uh, Miami, uh, Donnie Baseball, David Ross with the Cubs, and uh, uh, Jace uh, Trigler with San Diego. Who, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I just I don't see enough. What Matt just said about this award being about expectations is perfectly illustrated in this trio in the National League, which does not include Dave Roberts or Brian Snicker. So I can only assume that people are thinking that maybe the 2020 version of Tommy Lasorda could have managed these Dodgers to a <laughs> World Series championship, and he's usually sleeping when he's yeah. at these games. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean the Dodgers pretty, were pretty good. What's that? The Dodgers were pretty good. They I were mean, pretty good. If if they you know if uh, and and I think you could argue that if Dave Roberts was asleep over the last couple World Series, the Dodgers <laughs> might have won them. I think that's that's a narrative that has uh, some teeth to it. Yeah, but sorry. I, I mean, sorry to I mean, it is an expectation um, game, but I, I got to think Mattingly, right? I mean, for me, I mean that team with the COVID issues that they dealt with and the general, you know, where they were coming in, their non-existent expectations after the 2019 season they had, and they they reached a postseason, and even in this abbreviated year uh, you know i think that deserves some i mean some yeah theaters. i mean tingler won 62 percent of their games this year first that's true first playoff yeah. first since 2006 so and ross or sorry yeah ross took yeah, the ross. team that you know had fallen on hard times and all of a sudden we kept expecting them to i think falter and yet they won their division they didn't falter so i don't I don't really have a feel for who's going to win this thing, but I think there's good cases to be made for all of these guys. Uh, Cy Young Award winner. We got uh, Bieber, obviously, with Cleveland, uh, and then uh, two former Dodgers, just showing how uh, capable the uh, Dodgers have been. Uh, yeah, with uh, the Twins and uh, Ryu with uh, Toronto. Uh, who wins there, Matt? Uh, Shane Bieber wins. <laughs> Shane Bieber wins. Twice. Shane Bieber wins. If anyone, if anyone votes for anyone other than Shane Bieber, they are doing it uh, incredibly wrong. Uh, Bieber lapped the field in right. war. I'm, yeah, so, so that was that was pretty obvious. I, I guess where I should have gone was why wasn't Bieber uh, listed in the uh, the final MVP vote? That's a a, a good question. Um, I don't know. I think you could make a case for him over two of the guys on that list. Um, you know, I, I, I think we'll your, get, your we'll point get about the Dodgers. Second, but Bieber, in terms of side. 
Yeah. 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 Bieber's Bieber's the winner. Uh, you know, he's the only guy who, uh, who topped three wins. He, you know, in a, in a year when, uh, two wins was a lot, he got three, uh, by, by war. He had a 163 ERA. He didn't miss a start. Um, you know, as a starter, he had reliever, uh, numbers, 14 Ks per nine, two walks per nine. Uh, yeah, he's, he's the runaway winner, uh, of, of this award. And I think it's just, it's the last thing I'd say is it's a shame that we didn't get to see him pitch a full season like this, because I would be very curious to see how these numbers would hold up over time. Bob in the national league, uh, the aforementioned Bauer, uh, you Darvish, a uh, nice rebound year for him. And then uh, DeGrom looking for uh, maybe uh, further hardware, uh, Who's your pick in the National League? I think this is really interesting trio here. I think Bauer wins it, but Darvish, like, he led in FIP. He led in home run rate. He allowed five home runs in 76 innings, and DeGrom was the strikeout monster, as he usually is. But Bauer, you know, ERA, ERA plus, whip, home run, hits per nine, Bauer, you know, body of work is pro- probably gives him the edge here. But I really like I really like how Darvish rebounded this year, um, especially after he took so much heat out here in Los Angeles after that World Series in which the Astros cheated and roughed him up. Um, <laughs> I have to mention that every show. Um, so uh, it'd be cool if he won, but I, I think Bauer probably wins it. Uh, we'll go back to the AL and the MVP. Uh, so Bieber is not a candidate. Abreu with uh, Chicago is. LeMahieu with uh, the Yankees. Been a nice, uh, great acquisition the Yankees made uh, last, you know, before the 19th season. And then uh, Jose Ramirez with uh, Cleveland. And as you said, Matt, probably you could argue for Bieber over two of those guys. But those are the three candidates. Who wins? I mean, I think. I think the guy who wins is Jose Abreu. I think the guy who should win is Jose Ramirez. Ramirez is a a, a better hitter and a better defender. Uh, I don't think Abreu belongs on this list. Um, you know, Bieber certainly does. Um, and the other guy who hasn't been mentioned uh, at all, this you know, is is probably still the greatest player in baseball, Mike Trout. This will be the first. Well, sorry, this will be the second season since 2012 that Mike Trout hasn't finished either first or second in the MVP. Um, he finished fourth in, I forget when, he the year he got hurt and missed like 40 games. He played like 112 games and I think finished uh, second in war or something like that. Um, so uh, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't look at Trout's overall numbers. Did he only finish out, uh, you know, Frankly, based off of uh, where the Angels finished, I mean, I didn't look at his uh, his F WAR in comparison to to these guys. Or you know, yeah, uh, <laughs> he has the same WAR as Jose Abreu. Uh, he's a he's a better defender in a more important position. Um, you know, Abreu had a higher batting average. Trout had a better on base percentage. Their slugging percentage was pretty similar. Um, I think the difference is that Abreu played seven more games. He played sixty. Trout played fifty three. I mean. That's significant in a 62 game season or a 60 game season or whatever, whatever it was. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll take, uh, I'll take trout every time. Uh, the, the other yeah. thing that's, that's fun to note of the uh, is, is Anthony Rendon walked more than he struck out. 
Um, six, he had a 16% uh, walk rate and a 13% strikeout rate. Um, yeah, Anthony Rendon, he's good. Yeah, not a bad uh, adjustment to the uh, junior circuit there. Uh, National League, uh, somebody I don't think we've mentioned all year, Mookie Betts and uh, <laughs> Freddie Freeman. And then, Who would uh, trade that guy? Yeah. Some other guy, Machado. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be, it's gotta be movie, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Machado is, is in, to my view, a clear number three on this trio, even though he had a very good season. It comes down to, do you like the all-around greatness of Mookie Betts or the bat of Freddie Freeman? Because uh, Freddie Freeman's slash line is incredible this year. 341, 462, 640. Oh, but Lord, as we I saw, didn't realize his on base was that high. Wow. Yeah, 100 points higher on base than Mookie, uh, 50 points higher average, and uh, 80 points higher slugging. But as we saw in the playoffs, and I know this doesn't enter into the MVP discussion, but as we saw, what Mookie Betts can do on a baseball field is the bat is just part of it. He, you know, his defense, his what he scored twice on infield grounders in the in the in the playoffs. He can do everything, and he's also going to be perceived. And rightly so, as the guy that put this team over the top. Um, so I think Betts wins. Um, but it's not <laughs> – Freeman should not be discounted. He had an amazing season. And I do want to give also a shout-out to Juan Soto, who had COVID and his season was cut short. He only played 47 games. He had a better slash line than Freeman. He had an OPS plus of 212. And so – I feel bad that um, that he his season was cut short because he probably should have been in this discussion. Now, Freeman had COVID too. He did, but he played. A, he was back before yeah. the season. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, and he he had a really bad case of it too. He did. Yeah, apparently there was there was some real uh, touch and go moments for him, um, which uh, you know really glad that he's healthy and in the MVP conversation, which is just crazy. Yeah. Amazing. So we'll finish up this week uh, with the Orioles, MLB trade rumors to their offseason outlook. Uh, a nice overview of uh, where things stand for the Orioles heading into the offseason here. I'll let you guys start, uh, Matt, just uh, some overview thoughts that you had there. Yeah, I, I think there's – I think the way they laid it out, it, it made me uh, it made me feel better about the Orioles outfield situation, especially if Mount Castle can really stick in a cor- uh, an outfield corner. If they can put him in left, Santander can play right, and Hayes in center. I think that that's probably a below average defensive outfield, but it's not horrible. Um, and I think the you know the bats would definitely make up for that. Um, you know, it's it's certainly a an inexpensive outfield for a long time if if that's something the Orioles can do over multiple seasons. That open up, opens up money for them to spend on, uh, you know, on, on their pitching staff if they wanted to do something like that. Or, uh, as MLB trade rumors pointed pointed out, there's there's a Korean shortstop uh, Ha Sung Kim, who is 25, and uh, we we discussed him, I, be, I believe, on the previous podcast. Um, he's going to be posted, and uh, you know, apparently has uh, has some real skills with the bat uh, and. 
you know, I think scouts are sort of split on if he can play shortstop at the major league level, but if the Orioles believe he can, he might be a guy worth investing in considering, you know, where they are, uh, you know, infield wise, especially, you know, in the middle infield. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, yeah. The projection there and going back to the fan graphs article where it had their listing of the top 53 agents and you look at the suggested contracts that they had for them, it's a, Certainly affordable, especially if you believe he has a chance, especially if you believe he is going to stick it short. And if you don't, it might still be worth, uh, uh, you know, seeing. 